That was a long, long minute. All right, I'd like to welcome everybody back to another show with Martin Davis Hello. and Scott Fuller. Well, there's Scott Fuller here. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And uh, today I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, Back to Basics. Back to Basics? Yeah, Back to Basics. What basics? Basically, what? Hey, wait, hold on. Let me think about that. <laughs> okay. What I want to talk about is is getting back to uh, getting rid of all the, the the extra stuff, the fluff, the the living room problems, as I like to call them, right? The the what caliber should I get? The you know what gun should I get? What holster? What belt? What uh, you know? Back to the basics. Back to the 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 important stuff, the fundamentals, right? Because. Everything is always about fundamentals. It's all just about different applications of fundamentals. And even advanced shooting is just applying the fundamentals uh, in more difficult situations. Uh, Correct. So that's what I wanted to talk about. I want to talk about basic stuff. So uh, one of the biggest things I want to talk about is uh, concealed carry, getting back to the basics for concealed carry. You've got... Um, you know, you've got all this superfluous, you know, when do I draw the gun going through your head? Where can I carry to? Who's got the right sign? And Does that sign mean I can't We really carry can't here? get into when you can draw the gun too much because, right. you know, every state's going to be different. Yeah, and every state's different. Every person's different. You know, you and I may feel the urge to, you know, if somebody's robbing a liquor store and we're just in there getting our booze, uh, you know, stand in the back and wait for them to go away. And may, someone else may yeah. feel the urge to, hey, I've got to do my civic duty. This guy could shoot somebody. I've got to do something about it. I may wait till I see a gun. You may wait till they look at you, you know, whatever. Or, you know, yeah, whatever. Depends how much booze I've had, right? Yeah, no. No, because no. <laughs> especially in Texas, you can't have your CHL or you can't have your, yeah, can't have your CHL on you. Right. If you have even had one sip. That's why I, ha- I hire a carrier, and he carries it for me. The alcohol Perfectly or the, legal. the firearm? Uh, the firearm, the alcohol I'm carrying. You have it's a like carrier. a firearm bearer. Yeah. It's a, it's, a, it's a great idea, right? You can't drink and carry, right? Is so this, you are hire we, are you a being guy. serious? Is no, this real? I'm not serious. Wait, I'm, I'm trying to think to myself. I'm like, that sounds I'm so illegal. Like a gun bearer, you know, somebody just carry your gun to the to the but shooting, I, and then you're like, hand me the gun. I wanted to make sure anyone that was listening <laughs> was like on the same page I was. Going, wait, I don't is believe he, is you. He serious? But is he being serious right now? No, that is not true. You cannot do that. But let's get even more basic than that, right? Let's get let's get even more fundamental. Let's talk about just drawing, drawing. I like drawing? to do drawings. I like to do drawings. So, I mean, do you practice drawing your pistol I from do. your concealed carry? Or even better yet, do you practice drawing from the garment you're wearing that day? You know, maybe today you decided to tuck in that tuckable holster that you paid extra for. Or maybe today you're wearing an extra coat or your sweater's got, you know, elastic on the bottom. And, you know, maybe you're, you've got a new pair of pants. Maybe you've changed your holster. Maybe you've changed where you carry it on your body. Maybe you're wearing a Hawaiian shirt and underwear. Maybe you're wearing a Hawaiian shirt and your drawers. And that's it. So if you need to practice your drawing. So, you know, you're bringing up a good point. Try to draw from what you're wearing that day. Yeah. That, yeah. It's, it's, you know, if you wear the same thing every day, if you wear a suit and tie every day, so you wear, you know, whatever, an ankle holster, a shoulder holster, whatever, you probably don't need to practice. But, you know, say I don't normally wear a suit and today I'm wearing a suit. Maybe I should practice drawing a few times, just in case. 
Right. So simple, something like that. Or I always wear a T-shirt, and I've got a button-up, which has that split in it. Right. And the way I draw is to pull the shirt out of the way. Right. And pulling a button-up shirt is going to be completely different than pulling a T-shirt. Exactly. That's what I'm talking about. So, you know, something that simple, uh, drawing your gun out. Uh, Another one is the presentation. I mean, do you practice your presentation to where it's flawless, to where your gun comes out of its holster, you do whatever steps that you've learned to present the gun to the target, and the sights are there. No looking around, no fiddling, no whatever. Maybe you switch from a 1911 to a Glock or from a Glock to a revolver or a revolver. Are to, different. Yeah, and... exactly. Maybe you put a different backstrap on it and you haven't shot a thousand rounds through that backstrap, so the presentation isn't there. Mm-hmm. So practice your presentation. Practice getting that gun up. Getting those sights aligned, getting those sights on target, and that, that brings me to my next uh, thing that I think you should practice pretty regular is the sight alignment sight picture. I think that is the most difficult thing, uh, and I think that goes back to dry firing, which we've talked about a lot on here. Uh, the sight alignment sight picture is the hardest thing about shooting, <laughs> right? It's, it's putting that front sight on the target, looking through the rear sight while focusing on the front sight, while lining all that up while shooting the gun, right? Right. That's the most difficult well, thing ever. Engaging well, we, yeah. While doing whatever else you need to do at the time, especially in a defensive shooting situation. Maneuver. Right? Yeah. Whatever it is. Duty or defensive or even, you know, target shooting. It's it's difficult if you're if you're shooting a, a you know, NRA high power match, uh bullseye match with your pistol. So we're, all these things are, are fundamentals, right? So, so we're so, jumping around a lot here. So let's focus let's focus strictly on drawing a semi-automatic out of a concealed carry holster um, with like a t-shirt or a button-up shirt? I would definitely combine all three of these things if I can. I want to combine the drawing. I want to combine the presentation. I want to combine the sight alignment sight picture. And if you want to get down to the nitty-gritty and you have some time, uh, incorporate dry firing, incorporate the trigger control. And, and and always be safe when you're dry firing. Well, you know, take course. that ammo yes. out of the room, uh, completely separate from you, uh, before you even begin to think about pulling that trigger. And if you can, always fire into a hard target. Yeah, if you have a target backer, an old uh, an old arm body armor, maybe an old tack vest, old something, you know, phone books, something, something better than nothing. Better than sending it into another house or another room. Shoot your neighbor's shiffer robe or kid. That would be bad. Yes, it would be. All right. So, you know, I think the basics of the basics uh, for somebody who concealed carry is definitely, like you said, drawing from concealment, right? Right. Practicing. Do you do the – I forget the names of the techniques, but do you do the – I hold the shirt up with my weak hand and I draw with my strong hand? Or do you do the – I kind of sweep everything out of the way and draw one-handed while See, I do. I do a weak-handed sweep. I kind of yeah. I kind of tuck it up and then lift yep. it all the way back off of me. Yep. And then I draw with my strong hand. It's very effective. And that, that seems to cover button-up shirts right. and T-shirts. I find that if I'm, if I'm tucking – something in uh, with my carry, then I definitely need the weak hand, you know, pull it out, untuck it, whatever it is, get it out of the way. But I find that if I'm just, if I have an untucked shirt, uh, T-shirt, you know, Hawaiian shirt, whatever, uh, I find that I just reach down with my strong hand and kind of move the shirt out of the way as I draw in one motion. And I found uh, I've had good luck with that. 
that also works with jackets, I found. Yeah, and, and mine works with jackets as well, that, that sweep. Uh, I mean, here in Texas, we don't ever wear something super thick, but I mean, yeah. that, that covers a moderately thick wool jacket, like a peacoat almost. That thickness, not, not a peacoat. Now, that being said, like I said, and this is why we practice, this is why we get back to the basics, the, the, the day that you're wearing you know, more clothes than normal, you know, you're wearing a coat today, and maybe it's extra cold and you're going to be outside all day, maybe you're wearing a sweater and, and a coat, and now all of a sudden that drawing technique doesn't work and you've got to modify it. Well, you want to know that before you go to draw your gun. That's Roll. Important. Roll. Roll. Hit the ground, start the rolling. Roll. No, that's if in case you're on fire. That's the um, stop, drop, and roll. Yeah. yeah. If you're on fire, stop, drop, and roll. If you're taking fire, find cover, return, return fire. fire. There, there we you go. go. Definitely the return fire part. If cover's there, definitely find that. But uh, they're not mutually inclusive. Okay, so basically what we're saying is when you get the opportunity, practice, practice, practice. With whatever your common attire is, or if you're wearing something strange for the day, yeah. you know, give it a couple practices and, in the morning. And you could even practice if you got time. You know, you're, you're standing there, and, you know, maybe you're standing in front of the mirror practicing your drawing. Maybe you're standing by the back door waiting to go out, you know, practicing whatever. Um, you, you even have time to practice your presentation. Make sure that, that the, the sights are there every time. You know? I, like, I like practicing in front of a mirror for two reasons. Uh, you like one, looking at yourself. No. One so three reasons. Three reasons. Yes, yeah, sorry. <laughs> uh, the first reason is the fact that when you draw that gun, you're looking at another person, so you kind of get the Wait, silhouette. You kind of get the <laughs> silhouette of the person that's there. Then second, you get the feeling to some small degree of someone else drawing a gun on you, and then thirdly, you get to look at yourself. And one thing that uh, most Gun, people who study gunfights will will tell you is you you definitely when someone draws on you you focus in on that gun and you know what I focus on the gun as yeah, I'm drawing you will and you'll I, see I'm hey watching, that's a gun yeah I'm watching myself draw and I'm focused just completely on that it's gun. it's because it's new because we see people all day every day but people with guns are something we normally don't see uh, talking about focusing on a target my sister uh, is a cop and when she was going through her training they did simunitions which are either wax oh, yeah. or, or soap type bullets. And one of the things that ended up happening, she's standing there knocking on the door. It's a simulated second-floor apartment building. And this guy walks up with a knife. And she starts yelling at him, you know, stay where you are, stay where you are. And she's already got her pistol drawn, and he starts running towards her. She fires two rounds off. One, she hits him in the femoral artery. And the second one, they can't find where it is, period. They have no idea. Finally, they look at the knife. She had struck the knife with one of the rounds. And it's because she was so she was focused, focused on, on that knife. knife yep. That's what she shot. Yep, and and it happens time and time again, and that's why we practice things like uh, weak-handed reloads only and weak-handed shooting only, because in a gunfight, that bad guy may be doing the same thing. He may be focusing on your gun. Right. But back to basics, uh, I think that, that those things, uh, the, the drawing, the presentation, the sight alignment, sight picture, all things you can practice no matter what, and if you have the time, I think dry firing, that, that trigger control, that's that last, uh, I think, key fundamental that we could all use a lot more practice on. The dry firing aspect? Sure, the trigger control part of it, you know, getting the sights aligned on target and then actually pulling the trigger and making sure the sights stay there as you pull through the trigger yeah. pull. You know, I, I know a lot of people going to the basics, trigger pull. This is the one, one of the one times that I'm totally okay with you owning a laser. 
You don't like my laser? No, I, I'm saying that's one of the times where you can have a cheapo laser that's 10 bucks oh. as long as it's mounted to your gun right. securely. When you draw and you present to the target, you can have it off. And without you know making any movements so you can get that muscle memory down, you can actually turn it on once you have it lined up to where you need it. And you can see where you're pointing. But secondly, when, it's you, good training pull, tool. when yeah. you pull the trigger, you can see what happens to the laser. It's the old, uh, it's the old Gunny's uh, dime trick where you put a dime on your front sight. And if when you squeeze the trigger off, you move it so much that the dime falls off the front sight, you know you need to practice more. It's right. the same same concept. You got the but, laser shooting out there. If it wiggles when you pull the trigger, uh, keep practicing until it doesn't wiggle. Well, I noticed I went shooting this past Saturday and I was getting fatigued. I was getting pretty tired. I was working with somebody and we're you know trying to work on their technique and everything. And I noticed that as I, as I started to progress through a couple magazines, my my groups were probably maybe you know three inches, maybe four. Except I would throw one low because I would anticipate that anticipate that recoil, and that was coming from fatigue. Yeah, yeah, like I said. And one thing you will notice if you shoot enough, the more and more you shoot, the less and less you will be affected by fatigue. Or to put it another way, the more fatigued you'll have to be before your shooting is affected. Does that make sense? Right. I don't know if I've told the story here before, but uh, we were out on the range one day, uh, my shooting team and I, my military shooting team and I, and uh, there was uh, there was a couple of guys on the team that were in really good shape, and as opposed to me, who's not in such great shape. Oh, don't say that about yourself. Rounds of shape. Yeah, I got it. You're perfectly plump. <laughs> I prefer fluffy. No. Um, You're so fluffy. But we were out. It was a hot Texas summer day, of course. And we were out on the range a long time. And towards the end of the day, you know, the I was fatigued. Don't get me wrong. I was wore out. I was ready to crash. But my shooting wasn't as affected as my teammates, who were in better physical shape than me, but, had, you know, hadn't had the experience shooting to where it didn't affect them. Right. So you've got, you've got the, the twofold thing. The more you shoot... The less fatigue is going to affect you. And then on the other hand, if I had been in shape and been as experienced as I was, it probably would affect my shooting even less. So get in shape, too. Yeah, you, you told that story. <laughs> you did tell that story when I talked about actually getting in shape. And yes. the small, quick things like doing push-ups during yeah. commercial breaks and sit-ups during commercial breaks just to uh, help get you in shape. Yeah, definitely, definitely, you know, getting in shape uh, – Helps all of you, and shooting gets you in shape for shooting, which helps your shooting. So great logic. I what? I think like lightning struck when you said shooting gets you ready for shooting. Yeah, it's, it's practice. I mean, it's just, practice makes perfect. Or perfect. Like practice lightning makes struck. I mean, amazing. no, that was thunder. That was your phone. Does it roll? <laughs> wow. Speaking of instruction, I think that's part of the. That could be part of your uh, getting back to basics. Um, part of, uh, you know, I like to go out and shoot, uh, I like to, when I go practice, I like to go practice something that, uh, engages me that, uh, that, that makes it more difficult for me to shoot. Does that make sense? I like to challenge myself. Right. But on the other hand, there's something to be said for getting back to the basics, just practicing those, those, the breathing, 
the natural point of aim, the sight alignment, the sight picture, the trigger control, just going to, especially if you don't have access to one, but just going to a regular old range, uh, you may not have access to someplace that'll let you, you know, move and shoot and draw from concealment, that sort of thing. Just going to the range with your 22 and practicing, you know, good old fashioned basics. Right. Um, Firearm and, manipulation. Yeah. You know, you know standard, you know, one draw. Thing, you know, one thing, I, I've said this before on a show, you know, seven shows ago or more. One of the things I really like to do is I like to stand next to the wall and actually push myself away from the wall. So that I'm off balance as I draw for my dry fire practice. Well, that's a good idea. So that I'm not, I'm not just, oh, I'm stable, steady target. I'm actually moving. And, you know, sometimes I'll even, I'll, I'll, I'll push a, a heavy door if I have access to something. Oh, yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll push it. Like you push <laughs> like the mic. That. Yeah, like just that. Just like the mic. You push. It's on, you know, Do we have that on video? Yeah. What's our viewers think? Replay. <laughs> uh, viewers, please. Our viewers are jazz beatniks. <laughs> yeah, I'm much. in. So anyway, I like to sh- you know push a door away from me or something. Um, all of that kind of it adds a little bit to realism that you're you know you're not always going to be in a perfect steady platform when you draw. Also, drawing on the ground. Think about it. If you've already been knocked to the ground, how are you going to draw your gun? The supine position. Yeah, anything. Yeah, I mean, just think about it. If you're face down. All of a sudden, you need oh, to roll over, yeah. and you need to get your gun. What's the quickest way to get to your gun, especially if you're concealed carry, and get it to where you can shoot it, and you're facing the bad guy, and all those other things? That's if very you important have, things to think about. If you have a blue gun, you know, please practice with blue guns and all that stuff. And there's don't, some, and there's don't some practice some of these with other there. people unless you yeah. have, you know, an airsoft or or a, pl- a blue gun. Oh yeah, I had I had someone who was really into martial arts tell me, okay, you know, if somebody attacked you, could you get your gun out in time and shoot them? And I said, well, yeah, because you know it's going to take them a second to beat me to where I can't draw. So you know, even if they're on top of me, I could get my gun out and shoot them. And they wanted to practice this, but I didn't have a dummy barrel and I didn't have a blue gun. So I, you know, I said, no, there's no way. But, uh, one of the things I invested in was, uh, I know 511 makes them and I think Blade Tech and some other companies that just drop in dummy barrels for your actual gun. Oh, that's interesting. If you have a popular gun like a Glock or a Smith Wesson MP, then you drop those in and use those for training. Oh, that's pretty nice. I've yeah. never heard of that before. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's another alternative to the blue gun and they're cheap. They're yeah. a lot, they're a lot less expensive than, say, a blue gun. I mean, you can get a blue gun for probably what, 50, 60 bucks. Yeah. Or a yeah, red gun or a blue gun for sure. Yeah. Or so. I think somebody's got some orange ones. I don't know. Yeah, I've seen those before. But uh, another thing you touched on was you said you were giving somebody instruction uh, this weekend shooting. Yes, I was. And that's another thing I think that's part of the back to basics is seek instruction. I think that uh, instead of buying that next cool gizmo or gadget for your rifle or your pistol, I think your money would be better spent paying an instructor even yeah. if even if you know you're advanced in your shooting you know find an instructor that can help you with your fundamentals in that advanced stage i mean we went with him we probably went from you know 12 inch shot groups down to you know six and part of that's instruction and another big part of that is trigger six time eight, six to eight and that's another thing uh as well as instruction even if you don't get instruction buy some ammo Take it to the range, shoot it up, and do it again. Because there's nothing, there's nothing you could, else you can buy for your gun that's going to make you a better shooter. Nothing else is going to add more value 
to your marksmanship or your accuracy than actually buying the ammo and shooting it in your gun. So, you know, that's you know, kind of part of the back to basics idea. The the you know, take everything off your gun that's superfluous and just go shoot it. You know, become a master of that. Um, and I think a lot of us get way too caught up into buying stuff and looking at cool new stuff. Well, like like you said, though, this is this is the first installment of kind of our back to basics. And so, you know, when we come in here next week, we'll have kind of a new different take on a, a, a few different viewpoints on how to train and maybe, you know, go back to dry firing again and sure caps yeah, and we're talking about stuff. dry firing 22s there's all sorts of things you can do that help you get back to those fundamentals uh especially if you're shooting at a higher level all right well we'll finish up that series over the next few weeks what do you have for us today scott well i wanted to talk about uh the murder of lee rigby over in london uh by the crazy people with the butcher knives um I thought uh, there was some interesting things. Uh, one was that uh, everybody kind of stood around and watched it happen. That kind of uh, kind of weirded me out, I guess, creeped me out. I don't know. It was kind of like, why is everybody just watching? You know, somebody throw a chair at him or something. I don't know. And and then they, um, they don't understand the right to protect themselves or other well, people. Well, that's over the there. other part of it. And the and the other part of it was because it, England is a gun free zone. You read these reports about even when the cops showed up. They waited far away yeah. until the cops with the guns so showed up. They did up. what the civilians did and stood there and watched. Right, yeah. yeah. So in other words, everyone understands that if a nut's running around with a cleaver or a sword or a machete or a baseball bat or even a gun, you have to wait for somebody else with a gun to show up to stop them. If they don't decide or to stop them. a longer machete. I don't know about that. I'd wait for a guy with a gun. <laughs> I might go in if I had armor. You could have on. a sword fight. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't see you doing that. Yeah. Have you ever watched Princess Bride? <laughs> yes. Why do you allude to that? Because the great pirate Roberts has an amazing sword fight at the top of the cliff with a T- Antigua Montoya. Do you have hello? Excellent. <laughs> you killed my father. My excellent swordsmanship skills. Well, I think I would have. I think by watching that, I've studied that scene <laughs> quite a bit. Wow! Uh, have you seen Indiana Jones? Yes. Okay. I know how to use a whip. No, I wouldn't. No, the part where he shoots the swordsman. Yeah, I don't pay attention to that part. <laughs> All right. So Webley uh, versus swordsman. Uh, Webley wins. Okay. That's uh, wow. So. One of the th- one of the things that tied into that is I, I don't know if it's true or not, but uh, one of the British newspapers had an online poll on a vote for what laws you want their legislature to bring up in the next uh, meeting of the legislature, whatever they call it there. And eighty uh, percent of the poll respondents said, "I want them to bring back private gun ownership." What? Yeah, yeah. What? Now, I don't know. It's just an online poll. It doesn't mean anything, but... <laughs> was it restricted to that country only? Or no, it looked like I could vote in it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> so it might mean nothing, but then again, it might mean that uh, maybe the people in England are sick of waiting on the firearms cops, quote-unquote. You can't see my 
quote. Well, quotes, you know, and I wonder what the what the time it takes. If you call them and say there's someone in my house with a gun, the cops are gonna go, okay, we have an officer like five, you know, two minutes away, but, but he's gonna wait. He's not the firearm because we're gonna wake the guy up who's got the firearm. <laughs> he's gonna come down to the station, get his firearm, and then respond. No, surely they have a a car like a lieutenant car running around with a firearm in the back, maybe locked up. It's all safe. Right? I don't know that they do. That's that's what I'm going with. Okay, I'm going with that they don't. <laughs> so it makes my story, you know, much much more vicious. Your story's amusing but scary. I like it. There you go. So, uh, I don't know. Oh, and the cops showed up. They shot the pe- the people, the choppers, right? They actually shot them. Which means they weren't going to – what I don't understand is watching the video. Why didn't they tase them? Why didn't they ch- – Because in America, we would have tased them. Oh, I don't think they're allowed to. They're CCTV and all that and mess with the signal. Mm. That's not true. But anyway, <laughs> I don't know why they didn't tase them. Well, now why, did they, why did they have to respond with that much force? So these guys chopped this head off this dude, right? These, these yeah. weird people. While people are watching videotape him, somebody comes up and yells at him. Hey, stop. Scolds them. They don't chop anybody else up. The cops show up and have to shoot him down. Well, they said really what I heard was that they waited for the cops and they attempted to ambush him by running at them and they were shot dead. That'll do it. Well, no, I think one of them recovered, didn't they? I don't know. I, I thought I just saw something in the news. You might be right. but Came out of the hospital. Regardless. Hopefully he'll get sepsis and die anyways. Something. But, uh, yeah, so I want to talk about that a little bit. Uh, so go, going back to that, I mean, you you think about it to this day and age in America. If something like that was to be happening in, in Texas, in a heavily populated area, somebody is most likely going to have a firearm. Man, yeah, maybe, maybe not. I mean, I could see this going down in, in a bad part of town. You know, where nobody wanted to get involved. As long as it's not you or your cousin getting your head cut off, you know, who cares? Yeah. I I, I guess I could see that, too. But, you know, your normal suburban neighborhood? No, I don't see anybody putting up with that kind of nonsense. I mean, this happened right outside the military base. Yeah. I mean, within like 200 feet or something like that. I don't see anybody not responding to that with some serious force. You would think that the military would be able to respond to it more quickly than the cops with guns. Well, they're probably not allowed to. Depending on, you know, their laws. I know in uh, in America it would take a special set of circumstances for, like, a, a gate guard at a base to come off the base and shoot somebody. I think that would be a special circumstance. You might be right. But they might be scared, too. I mean, I they, would do it. Yeah. I would enjoy it, shooting somebody like that. person needs to be shot, obviously. Right. And the cop shot him, so he got his just desserts. Hot fuzz. <laughs> Great show on uh, European police, by the way. <laughs> what was the story you had for us, Martin? Uh, I have a rather interesting story today for us, Scott Fuller. Um, my story comes from the great old internets. Oh, I've been there. And it's titled, Unbelievable, Hack Attorney Claims Store Clerk Shouldn't Have Defended His Life With Gun. So okay. What happened is uh, two individuals walked into a uh, convenience store. Stop and rob. <clears throat> yes, pretty much. Um, and it ended with one of the men dead, and I believe the other one just wounded. 
uh, whether it was from uh, firearms or just from him trying to actually get away. Right. Uh, he ended up being wounded. The widow of the deceased man is now suing the clerk. Uh-huh. And this attorney is coming out stating that um, he watched these two guys prepare to rob him. And instead of calling the police or running out the back door, he used his gun. <clears throat> and one of the things is, as I, I – um, I'll uh, – let's see. I'll quote here um, from Jeremillo, which I be- uh, believe is the – the attorney prosecuting Mr. Beasley, uh-huh. who is the guy who is the, the gunman who actually defended himself and other patrons. The victim. The victim, yes. Uh, he said, he does bear some fault, but it's like a pie. You divide out the fault accordingly, and Mr. Beasley could have done something different. Oh, this Jeremy is Miller just, said. yeah, that's lawyer talk with, <laughs> we want some money. But what I wanted to talk about with this is the importance of having somebody on retainer. Yeah. Uh, there's a, a couple of those places out there like Texas Law Shield, LLP. Um, you know, you can get on their website, just do a Google search That's for like them. That's like prepaid law for people who carry guns. Yes. Okay. Uh, you, can ha- you can have it for your CHL or you can, if you don't have a CHL and you just defend from within your home or whatever right. your law state. Uh, and they also have multi-state plans, but it's, oh. it's really in the grand scheme of things, it's a, it's $150 a month for your one state. At least for it is for Texas, and it's thirty dollars to cover all the other states that your CHL is good for. So it's one hundred and eighty dollars a, mo- a, a year. Oh, okay, a year. That's better. Did I say a month? Yeah, I'm that sorry. Seemed a little high. It's a hundred. Okay, it's a, either a hundred and fifty for your one. <laughs> it's either a hundred and fifty for your one state or a hundred and eighty for multi-state for the entire year. But they cover you in, I believe it's civil and. Uh, uh-huh. Where the uh, district attorney comes after you, civil and state. Oh yeah, yeah, civil um, and criminal. Civil and criminal, right? And yeah. they they actually state that the average for using a firearm in self defense, yeah. is going to cost you fifty thousand dollars in attorney fees. So this is a much better way to do that, mm-hmm. right? I, I like mean, it. Basically, what I would they recommend s- it for they, sure. Yeah, they say you know call nine one one. Tell them that there's been a shooting, that you're the victim of a crime, and I guess, you know, say if you need an ambulance or whatever you need, hang the phone up or whatever they tell you to do. I believe it is hanging the phone up. They, they got a little card. And with then, instructions? With instructions. And then, you know— Does one of the instructions say shut up? Because that's what lawyers yep, usually tell that's their clients. The very next thing you do is you call your lawyer, and you yeah. give him your member number that's on the front of your card. And then to—it says right here on the back of the card, it says, to any law enforcement officers— the holder of this card invokes their right, the rights pursuant to the Fourth, Fifth, and Sixth Amendments to the U.S. Constitution. All applicable, applicable. applicable provisions of the state constitution and all applicable provisions of the state codes and Good statutes. Any, any questioning of this individual must be immediately suspended and shall be continued only in the presence of and with the advice of legal counsel. So that's – you basically you just hand them this card and you're like, there you go. I'm going to shut up. I'm not saying anything. Well, which is smart. So, yeah, definitely look into the, if the you first have way to lose prepaid law shield legal in your Texas area. Texas law shield, and it's not just Texas. It's yeah. pretty much any of the states, I believe, that the Texas yeah. CHL is accepted in, so which put, is a majority of them. Put that into your search engine of choice and check that out. I, I highly recommend it for everybody who doesn't have a brother for a lawyer. And, or, or anyone that is um, 
doesn't even have a CHL or oh, anyone. Yeah. If you if you have one, but your wife doesn't, there there are family plans out there that that cover her. You know, defending the home. Yeah, yeah, that's probably a good idea. So, um, yeah. Another thing in the story I wanted to bring up was the uh, 3D gun printing is popping up again. And I was wondering uh, if you had any thoughts on it. I had some I'd like to share. The latest is a video of a guy who took a cheaper printer than, I guess, the 3D gun printing guys were using and printed out an actual firearm. Is this the guy that printed out that one shot that uses a nail? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the original gun used a nail. The the one that the... um, Oh, no, I can't remember. Not WikiLeaks, but the... Wiki... Shoot. Yeah, you know who we're talking about. Those guys. Yeah. They, uh... Good old what's-his-name. They, uh... Another guy bought a cheaper printer. I guess most printers are fairly... Runs in the tens of thousands of dollars. Yes. And uh, that's what those guys were using. Um, and another guy uh, used, like, a $13,000 printer, which is, I guess, a cheap cheap printer nowadays. And he made one that actually fired, uh, I think it was 380, and he's got hmm. YouTube video of him shooting eight or nine shots out of it. Just a single shot, right? And, it, and yeah. He used, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, everything a, but the firing just, pin. Just super simple. Well, yeah, the firing pin was made out of nail, and it didn't have any pins holding it together. He used, like, screws. Um, but it's a uh, it's it's a definite proof of concept, I guess. You know, right. It's not an actual practical gun, but it's proof of concept. Uh, so you can 3D print a gun, and I thought that was interesting. Um, the the fun thing to watch, at least for me, is to watch the 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 gun grabbing types uh, lose their minds, as in, oh my god, they can print guns, and uh, you know, take it way over the top. And they got the you know the printing magazines, and you know, uh, wonder if sometimes you wonder if this is what Magpul's doing right now since they're packing up, moving everything, and it's taking them forever to do anything, just printing them off because it takes a long time. I mean, people yeah. don't realize uh, to to print something off of of this scale, it's you know fifteen hours. I think this guy said, yeah, it was it was overnight. I think it took him something like that just to print a tiny little gun. Yeah, and I mean, it's not a fast process. They have some that are quicker. Um, that they're trying to develop for for like the space station, but yeah. that's not really using plastic. That's using binding compounds and powders, centered metal, and things yeah, like it's that. Really yeah, really awesome stuff. Expensive, but yes, very very expensive. But I guess the the thing to that I like to focus on is the fact that this this file, which I guess the State Department told them to take down because of ITAR regulations, mm-hmm. this file immediately went viral. And everybody who's anybody hosted it on their torrent site, which means that it's it's out there. It's it's too late now. You can't get it back. It's like a bootleg copy it, of a that, movie. That's the way it's that done. happens as soon as it put, it's put out on Every the internet, file. right? I mean, anything. Oh, exactly. And I don't know if they understand this. It's too late now. 3D printing guns is always going to be there. It's now in our society. You well, can't it was erase gonna it. Be there. It was going to be there whether or not they took this file down. I mean, I agree. once it's known that you can do it, there's... It's going to happen. Well, I think that people don't understand that you can't stuff the toothpaste back into the tube. It's physically impossible. You can't, you know, you can't confiscate everybody's 30-round magazines and leave them with seven-rounders. There's too many out there. It's not going to happen. If you make a law saying people can't own seven-round magazines, then 
criminals will still own larger than seven round magazines and only right. law abiding citizens will own the other. And so, you know, these, they don't understand that making a law for something that already exists doesn't affect it in a positive manner and, and it doesn't affect crime in the least bit. Right. So, I mean, where, what do we do from here now that, now that the ability to print items are up? Man, I'm dreaming about the future. I'm dreaming about being able to hit print on my computer and an AR-15 fall out of my printer. I mean, it's coming, right? I mean, I don't think it's coming tomorrow. Maybe, no. I mean, it's, it's that that kind of process. I think in our lifetimes, for sure. Uh, yeah, but I think that process is at least 15 years away. Oh, with, sure. With printing with metal. But even if it's 50 years away, I can't wait to see it. I mean, will it be like Star Trek where you used to take Earl Grey well, tea into the machine, yeah. you know? Earl Grey tea. That was, um, that was awesome. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, I don't know. You were talking about how out of shape you were. I don't, are you going to last that 50 years for Yes. You're going to start yes. doing your push-ups? They have all sorts of you're drugs now. You're going to start doing now. your push-ups and pull-ups? They're going to come out with obesity medicine you're gonna so get you yourself can be frozen. Fat. You're going to freeze yourself, I'm gonna aren't you? I'm going to cut my head off and freeze it. Yeah. And not like in liquid nitrogen, but just in my freezer. Yeah. That, yeah, I that works. I think that works. I actually saw a video where they dropped the goldfish in a liquid nitrogen and pulled it out and it was still alive. It can't be good what? for the goldfish. And then, what, it was frozen solid and then they thawed it out and it was still alive? Yeah, like it, they dropped it in there and it's in there for like five to six seconds. And he picks it, he, they take it out of there and they drop it back in the water and it's like, oh, I'm alive again. Whoa, that was cold. But what you hear, you hear the professor go, well, the first time we left him in there a little too long. Oh, they made a Nemo sickle. Probably shortened his brain. Like his brain, you know, how uh, his short term memory. Huh? Probably shortened his short-term memory. Shortened his short-term memory. Yeah. That's what you're going with. Yeah. I like it. Do you know why? No, tell me why. Goldfish have like the shortest-term memory out there. It's a good story. I'll tell it again if you want me to, bro. (laughs) Please don't. Okay. Oh. So I wanted to... uh, Yeah, I'm done with mine. Do a gun review. (laughs) Yeah, I got that. (laughs) The goldfish gave it away. Did it? Yeah, Dang. no, really. It gonna, really gonna, was a tell. I'm that was work your tell. On that. I wanted to talk about a uh, basically a gun review on half a gun. Uh, the, Quoi? Yeah, the uh, the new Frontier Armory LW15 polymer AR15 lower. And for anybody who hasn't seen this, it's a plastic uh, AR15 lower. Printed? N- no, I think oh. it's injection molded thingy. I don't know how they make it. They mold it. They, it's plastic. They probably dremel it out dremel of it. the blo- block of plastic. Probably not. No. Okay. Okay. Uh, it's lightweight. But maybe. So that was the first thing you notice when you pick this thing up. It's plastic, obviously. That's is the it like, first thing you so, notice. So when you go to pick it up, is it like picking up an empty Coke can? Whoa! And you don't really no, like, Whoa, no, it's, not that it's light. so light. It is lighter than its aluminum counterpart. It's, uh, it's like seven ounces lighter than aluminum counterpart part you know regular lower okay so but you know it looks like a regular lower it's got a regular pistol grip it's got a regular buffer tube regular butt stock uh it's just got a polymer lower uh oh the the other thing you notice uh immediately is the fire control group is polymer wait is this a whole rifle or is this just the lower lower half just lower half just lower half um but the fire control group is polymer, too. The hammer, too. The, the trigger. Hammer, the trigger. Are, there, are there metal inserts inside uh, of that? And how is the hammer plastic? I don't think so. How can the hammer be plastic? I don't know, but it works. 
You're sure that that's a plastic component? It says it's plastic. I haven't cut it in half to see if there's a chunk of steel inside. You I guess I can one? put a magnet on it. Yeah, yeah. Stick it in your oven at like 550 <laughs> degrees. No. <laughs> and whatever's no. left will determine. No. What, no. No. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. Uh, so what's great about this lower is it's it's inexpensive. That's what's great about this lower. Uh, before the craziness, they were going for just over 100 bucks. And uh, you can't beat that. So at just over $100, these lowers are inexpensive. They're light. We've already talked about that. And so far, they're durable. I've got, a, I don't know, 500, 600 rounds through one of 22 and 556. Mm-hmm. Uh, I bought it specifically to make you know a 22 out of it nice little range toy i thought heck why not try 556 out of it so i've shot some of that uh the trigger feels like a normal trigger uh the selector feels like a normal selector um you can put any buttstock on it you want so it feels just like an ar-15 i need to see this i thought you had seen it Mm -mm. pretty sure i showed it to you i don't remember it that's how unmemorable (laughs) it is maybe you were frozen in liquid nitrogen possibly i was probably watching the uh goldfish on YouTube when you were trying to show me. <laughs> but regardless of whatever it was, I do want to see this. We'll get some pictures, put it up there. Yeah, yeah, we'll take some pictures. Of and this you'll thing. write a review over it? I'm yeah, I know how to do that. Yeah, you know how to type. I of sorts. have the internet. Well, I have a voice to text. Ah, there phone, you go. So I don't need to know how to type anymore. That usually saves I've you. I've forgotten that skill set. <clears throat> so everything being polymer on this, right? Uh, how does it? It seems to be dealing with heat just fine. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I haven't thrown it down my driveway or you know jumped out of the back of a C seventeen over Kandahar or anything like I that mean, with it. We, but we've seen a lot as a range of, toy. We've seen a lot of things go this direction. I mean, even the Beretta M nine has a plastic guide rod and plastic trigger with a metal insert with the inside sure. the trigger, but. There's obviously some things out there that can benefit from our polymer technologies. Look at PMAGs, right? Right. Everybody knows they're better than aluminum mags, and they're plastic. So the plastic ones are better than the metal ones. Look at Glock pistols. I mean... They still have a metal insert, though. Yeah, they have metal frame inserts, but it's still a plastic pistol. Right, I mean, the pins go through plastic. The main pins do. It's rather hard to argue with you on that fact. (laughs) It's because I'm factual. Ah. You can't argue with facts, just opinion. But uh, even Smith & Wesson, they quit making you know steel and aluminum-bodied semi-automatic handguns. They only make polymer guns now. So obviously in today's day and age... Not, not all. I mean, they still make some stuff. They make something with steel? Whatever. Yeah, they make the oh, 1911. Oh, the 1911s. And, I forgot. Yeah. Yeah, forget yeah. about those. Yeah. I usually try to forget about 1911s. Oh. Oh, 1911 fanboys just all unsubscribed. Don't unsubscribe. Send your hate mail to Ooh, Scott yeah. Fuller Ooh. at... No, wait. No, Gun Show Podcast. Oh, he's not using his official one yet. Send all your hate mail to gunshowpodcast at gmail.com or yes. visit us on facebook.com slash gunshowpodcast and let Scott know exactly how you feel. Yes, send me your nasty messages. Tell me how the 1911 Prove is so much better. wrong like the guy with smoking did. I, I don't think you proved oh, me dude, wrong. Oh, dude, you, you would have lost in the court of law. No, I wouldn't have. He didn't prove beyond a reasonable doubt at all. You proved he did for me. Yeah. For you in my court, but you have lost. the mind of a goldfish. We've already discussed this, huh? <laughs> what? <laughs> What's going on? What are we talking about? Yeah, I just put a thing there. <laughs> 
So New Frontier Armory Lore, check it out. Uh, look for review pictures, that sort of thing. It's light. Yes. I like it. It's cheap. I like it. 